everybody. Welcome to the She, Her, and Me podcast. My name is Akila Renee, and I am your host. Today, we are talking about code switching, and we're going to define it, break it down, talk about how we do it all the time. I have two guests with me, and I'd like for them to introduce themselves. Yes, I am Natalie Lucas from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm um, in HR, talent acquisition, recruiting industry, um, have worked for Fortune 500 companies for the past 15 years, and um, from Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome. Okay. Thank you. Greetings, all. My name is Carlton Ennis. I am a personal professional life coach, a bottled rainwater entrepreneur, podcast host, um, originally from Miami, Florida. I'm glad to, to be here. Well, thank y'all for joining me. I, I appreciate it. Um, I asked these two to join me because I knew they could lend a lot of um, talking points to this conversation. Um, Natalie and I met through mutual friends here in Dallas, um, and we have often gone off on a tangent, just talking <laughs> about the corporate world, the role of a woman, just anything and everything in between. So thank mm. you, Natalie. Carlton and I. Um, back, ooh we Don't date yourself. <laughs> Don't date me. <laughs> uh, it was two thousand six, something seven, something like that, right? Um, so I met Carlton at the National Association of Health Services Executives uh, conference, and we've kept in touch for years, and so um. I'm grateful that he's here. He has a podcast as well called The Unsolicited Genius. And as he mentioned with his coaching business, I thought he could definitely lend um, voice to this topic. So the topic is code switching and it is defined as the practice, the practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language in conversation. So I have to be honest, um, I had never heard of the term before until I was at a conference, at a Nazi conference. And it was a, it was a session on um, just more or less Blacks working in corporate America. The, unfortunately, the presenter was not that great and the audience was coming for him. And um, there were a lot of millennials in the room and the term came up, code switching. And I'm sitting in the front uh, and I'm like, I never even heard that term. And then it was described. And I'm like, oh, well, that's what I do every day, all day, all my life. Uh, my family calls me Becky because sometimes I, I pronounce the I-N-G in listening, <laughs> right? And, and not listening. Right? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I agree. That's what it is. So um, I will say, so I'm from Dallas, as you all know. My first year at Morris Brown College in Atlanta, I was accosted. By the way, I said a whole lot of things, and and I'm 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 an Oak Cliff girl, straight up and down. I'm from Dallas, and mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, it's hot in here. Y'all need to. Oh, I gotta get my hair done, right? Like that's how I talked. And even you know, talking about skin tone, like we were like, oh, that bright girl, oh, that bright skin girl. My friends from up north, from Philly, was like, wait, 
is she smart? Like what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I learned to fix it, you know, but if you get me relaxed enough and I feel comfortable enough, then I'll revert back to it. And that's part of what that code switching is. It could be with your family or it could be in a, um, a corporate environment. So Natalie, let me go to you. Is yeah. a bad thing? You know, it's interesting. So you mentioned something about generation and then reference um, like uh, Philadelphia East Coast. So I lived in Philadelphia for like seven years and it was never an issue. Like the way I spoke was never an issue. Like all of my um, friends and no matter like what walk of life, like it wasn't an issue. But growing up in Kansas City, Missouri, as early as the age of seven, you know, I would hear like, you're an Oreo or you like, why are you speaking like that? And why are you fronting? <laughs> like all of that. So, but then as of late, you know, speaking to different generations within the workforce, the same thing, like they're like, they're like, oh my goodness, like you're so fake and you're not showing up for us. And, you really? know, so yes, yes. And it's so, it's interesting to me because I feel like it's a part of life. Like I understand the dynamic or the burden that we carry as African-Americans, but I mean, like you said, it's every part of life. Like when my nephew was here, I spoke to him in a certain way. When I'm speaking to my girlfriends, I speak to them a certain way. And um, so I don't know, like, it's hard for me to say it's a bad thing. I do feel like um, there's a weight to be carried with it specifically in our community and culture. Um, and I think it's changing a little bit. Like it's, it's a lot, actually, it's changing with this new generation because they're like, I know, I, like, I need you to come as your authentic self. And I'm like, okay, this is my authentic self. Like, but is my- it? No, but is it? I guess that's the question. I guess, see, I mean, because as early as seven, and that's who, that's how I am. Like, you'll see, and I think you you mentioned it, and I don't mean to monopolize the conversation because I definitely want to hear everybody else's thoughts, but you mentioned it. I think it has to do with comfort. So I have Caribbean friends. I have, you know, Korean, Middle Eastern, like every type of friend. And I noticed, actually, my nieces and nephew pointed, pointed out for me when I'm around them, my language, like I do, it's like I, I get in a vibe, I, you know, I start talking. And so I guess you could call it fake, you could call it relatable, or you can call it showing up in different ways. But for me, it's just, it's like me wearing gym clothes to the gym and a, a, a evening gown to um, a ball or a gala. Like for me, that's what it is. So... What I looked up and it said, the reason why we code switch is because you want to fit in. So maybe that's that's some of it, or you want to get something out of it. The reason why you're, why you're doing it. Or, or, you know, if it was a language thing, you want to say something in secret. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Carlton, what, what do you have to say? Is, it, is code switching a bad thing? I definitely would say it is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my coaching practice, my niche is confidence. And in that confidence comes authenticity. 
And so I think for anybody in whatever situation it is, be who you are, right? And all we have is the present. So, you know, me being from Miami, if you know others from Miami, we have uniquenesses about us, whether it's how we walk, whether it's how we talk, you know, how we carry ourselves in general. Some suffice to say, Miami people crazy. I, you know, I won't say that, but, you know, from wherever you are from, you are who you are. And I think in some instances, there's a shift, an intentional shift, because that's what you think you need to do to survive. So, you know, there's a switch when, you know, you're in the suburban environment, right? You know, that's where I live. That's where I go to school. That's where I play my sports. But, you know, when I go visit my godmother in the hood, it's a whole different dynamic. And so I got to make sure, you know, I'm all right that I come out. And so sometimes there are people who may choose to switch their behavior more so for their perceived survival or their perceived thriving, if you think about a work environment. But for myself personally and several people that I'm associated with, it's not a conscious thing. You know, it is what it is. You know, there's people who, you know, are empathic in nature. So they kind of absorb the energy that's around them. So, you know, when they type with it, when they're with people that's, you know, talking a certain slang, spitting it a certain way, it just naturally comes out. But when you put them in front of the boardroom and they're needing to make a presentation in order to close a deal, they find a way to say what they need to say in order to convey the right message. I think for me, you know, in my career, you know, code switching is more of a recent term, but, you know, my career started when the Dave Chappelle skit came out, you know, when keeping it real goes wrong. Right. And so my intentionality in the workplace was don't keep it so real that things go wrong. Right. So and that wasn't as much what I said. It was how I conveyed my mood. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good morning, good evening. How's lunch? How was your day? That's one thing in the workspace. But, you know, when you get pissed off, what do you revert to? Or when the energy is high, what do you revert to? And so for me, that's where I had to be more aware of myself, um, more aware of what I said, how I said. But in general, it was too hard for me to be someplace, be, be one way nine to five, another way from five to 10, Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends when I'm with my crew, another way. And so I prioritize authenticity for myself. And so if I couldn't be in an environment and be authentic, I would often shift that environment, remove myself from that environment. Now, you know, workplace, if you got a job, you need a job, you want to maintain a job is one thing. But what I even coach about is if, the workplace is requiring you to be somebody that you are not proud of, that you are not comfortable with. 
let's talk about that, whether or not that's the right place for you, because sure, there are plenty of environments, in particular work environments where, you know, being black and exuding black energy won't be welcomed. But if it's not in you to be what it is that's more comfortable for the other folk, then why are you there? Right. And so, you know, I think code switching is prevalent, is relevant. um, And, you know, I think it happens unconsciously a lot of times, which is fine. You know, be who you are, where you are, your environment change, your rhythm change. Um, But I think it's when it happens and you're not comfortable and you're not happy and you're not proud. That's when, you know, again, I won't say it's bad, but I think that's where the opportunity exists for somebody to to, you know, do an assessment of what really is going on. And that's, that's a, I think that's a great point because I think part of the issue with the generational dynamic is they feel like if you're not showing up the same way that that they feel is approved as your authentic self, then you're not allowing room for them to show up as their authentic self, right? So if I can't go in and be like, what's up, girl? You know, then when they come in and say, what's up, girl, it's, it's, it's very tense, you know, and it's like all eyes on them. So I think and, and a point that you made, I think is really important to elaborate on is <clears throat> if it's not welcomed, right? Like, like for me, my authentic self and my best representation of myself sometimes in a conversation, be it in a corporate environment or in a conversation with my family is, and I'm an English major, right? So that's a part of it is when I am, you know, using certain words that help me to get a point my crop up across my point um, in my mind. So, but if it's not welcomed, that's where that line, I think that's where it becomes a fine line, right? So like you said, I am an empath. So for me, I am, I'm always going to code switch that just unfortunately is a part of who I am because I'm kind of like, a chameleon I'm, I'm listening to the environment and and whatever now I'm not not so much where I'm morphed right in my opinion um because the core of what I'm communicating is the same but you know I don't I don't generally speak and use profanity however some conversations <laughs> require me to to meet people where they're at and so for me that's the switch right so for me that's that's when I'm uncomfortable and that's when I'm like you know I I had a conversation with my brother recently where I had to you know go into a space and he was like oh that he was like that's not even you and I was like I don't want it to be me but that's the only way you could hear me right and so anyway it's 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 I think it's a fair point that you made as far as um not being allowed in the space and I think there's a dynamic of being a woman um and then a dynamic a cultural dynamic to it too. I want to go back to uh, one thing you said, Carlton, and then one thing you said, Natalie. So Carlton, if if you're in a situation, right, because you mentioned how if, you know, you're being your authentic self and you, you know, you've code switched, but now you're pissed off and you're in this environment, how do you navigate handling that, staying in that 
switched lane versus reverting back to who you really are. To me, that's more of a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Because if you've never had to deal with that before, how do you coach your folks on that? Well, in that, you know, that's managing your emotion, right? So there's a um, there's a normal state of being, so to speak. On a good day, this is who you are when there's no stressor present. And the stressor presents and we each have a stress response. And so the coaching comes around that stress response because rare will there be the human where their stress response won't be deconstructive, right? Or deconstructive, destructive, right? So whether that's anger or, or you're an avoider, whatever that is, when you stress and you act, the outcomes aren't going to be great. So the coaching is what do you do when that trigger hits, right? And so for me, you know, I'm quick in my mind to be mama mama, right? Mama mama, right? That's that's my reflex. And so as a parent, I don't want to do it to my son, right? But the kids test you, mama mama, right? In the workplace, something happened, mama mama, right? But it's, it's to keep it in the head. It may show up on the face, breathe a little bit, and then act, right? And so. Go ahead. How did, sorry, how did you get to that point, right? So you, your first, your first corporate job, something happened. You mm-hmm. pissed off. How did you get to that point to say, "Wait, I need to stop. <laughs> Let me breathe. Let me." You know what I mean? Because, like I said, it's not a taught behavior. It, it's trial and like- trial and error. You know, because I I remember um, I, my first corporate job was with a uh, predominantly black organization and um, we kept it professional. So it wasn't, you know, loose, you know, at the lips per se, but, you know, got into a tense interaction with a a counterpart and a a gentleman, you know, more seasoned in his career, you know, pulled me aside and said, you can't get like that. Right. Like Mm -hmm. your, your, you know, your intentions are good. And, you you hit resistance, control yourself, maintain yourself, because what the room retains is your loss of control. The room, whether you had a good or a valid point, what is remembered is you lost you lost your shit in the meeting. Yeah. Right? right. And so, you know, had that first experience you know, had a couple others, you know, come up early enough to where at least I can feel the energy rising. Mm -hmm. And so for me, at least, you know, early in my career, what I, what I embraced is when I feel it, just don't say nothing. Mm -hmm. But right now, you know, if we've, if we, if it's an agenda item, I said my piece, he said his piece, we don't agree. I say my piece again. He repeat his piece again. The energy's building. At minimum, I know my point has been heard. Let's, you know, where it goes is to be determined. But to continue to push or to continue to fight, that will no longer serve my purpose. And then that's what I leave the room with. And, you know, I think there's was there's grace given when I'm in a, you know, predominantly black environment that's not going to be given 
when I am for sure the minority, which ultimately became the rest of my career. Well, that leads me to my next question for both of y'all is, have you been in an environment where you're the only one? Yeah. I, I certainly have. And then mm-hmm. what, what is that experience like in the corporate culture and you having to cope switch? Because it goes right back to what, I mean, if that just hadn't pulled you to the side to say, you don't want to be remembered for that. And your first job was a predominantly white one. What would have happened? So Natalie, I'll point it to you. Have you ever been in that situation where you're the only one, one only woman in a situation, only black person in a situation? Did code switch and help or did you switch out of code to get your point across? Yeah, so a majority of my career, that's what it's been. Um, and specifically, the further I grow in my career, it's, it's the female, it's the youngest, it's the um, Black woman, you know, there, there's a lot of different dynamics to that. Um, I think, <clears throat> to Carlton's point earlier, the emotional intelligence surrounding it, it, it is one thing. Um, but for me, I think the, the, the most unique experience I can remember is um, I worked for at the time, and I'm just going to say it because it is what it is, Farmers Insurance. <laughs> and um, there were, I was the only Black woman, and then I was um, the only, um, well, I recruited a Black uh, girl later. But anyway, I was the only Black woman, and then um, I was the only female leader. So I, I um, qualified for this event that was a national event and no one else on my team qualified for it. So my boss at the time um, had a meeting and said, oh, nobody qualified for this event. I'm so disappointed. Um, you guys didn't work hard enough and blah, blah, blah. Well, for me, I, the way that I controlled and, and I knew it was a targeted thing for him. I smile like that's what I do like when I get angry I just smile and I just you know kind of hum a little tune in my head so that I can keep from popping off right and so mm-hmm. um so that smile ignited something in him and he became enraged like mm. you don't smile in my meetings and you're being so disrespectful and you know whatever whatnot so he um was emotional turned red yelling at the end of the meeting, and I I didn't say anything, I was just like, okay, you know, at the end of the meeting, um, I was called into my boss's boss's office, I was written up, Um, HR wrote me up for smiling in a meeting, Um, and so, so throughout all of that, I know that if anyone in my family was present, they would have been like, you are so fake, you should have met him where he was at, he got that off on you, you know, like, those type of you know conversations but for me there was nothing good that could have came from me meeting him where he was at right there was nothing good and so the feeling afterwards and that's why I go back to what Carlton says about being able to show up as your authentic self the feeling afterwards for me was overwhelming emotion like I even get emotional talking about it right now because I do feel that way right I feel like he got that off on me like he like but at the same time it's like 
what would have changed had I met him where he was at? I would have been fired. I mean, obviously I was written up for smiling, so I would have been fired. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's just, and I felt the weight and responsibility of being a black woman. And I felt, I mean, you, you say that in hindsight, but I believe in that moment that I just couldn't show up like that because I, I did show up emotional in my college career. Um, and this was uh, uh, against a black man and I, and I got so emotional that I was crying. And in that moment, I decided that never again would somebody be able to take me there no matter what, right? So it's probably true that part of the code switching is a control thing, right? To, to For me to control my emotions or to control my responses. Um, so I don't know, I don't know. That, that seems to be a poignant time for you. Do you have regrets on how you responded? I don't have regrets in the fact that the result for me ended up being, you know, what it, what it needed to be. I do have regrets in the fact that I don't believe his behavior was ever corrected. I don't believe he ever, I feel like I probably could have protected another black woman from, you know, going through what I went through with him. Um, had I, had I showed up differently, um, I don't have any regrets as far as my professional career is concerned. So that's where I understand how this new generation is like, you know, you're being fake or or whatever, because I, I get it, you know, I get it. And I sometimes I wonder like, you know, what would Coretta Scott King have done? Or what, you know, like I, I try to think like, man, like, you know, I I do, and especially this past two years, I do want to show up for my people and I do want to push forward certain things, but at the same time, I don't know what it looks like because I wouldn't even do that in my family, right? So like even in my family, when my brother pops off or somebody, you know, whatever, that's not how I show up. So um, I don't know, that is, it's, it's interesting. And like right now it's making me think through it as I'm talking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carlton, what do you have to say? You know, I, so has been so many experiences and you know to go back to your initial question yes i have been in the workplace where i have been the only black whether it be black male young and black whatever it is i've been the only and you know fortunately the vast majority of the time you know they were positive experiences you know in particular when i was a manager you know it's just managers trying to be managers i think the 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 if we call the racism or 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 discrimination that i experienced most of the time it was the behind the scenes stuff it was the stuff that came when it was time for a promotion it was the stuff that came when it was time for a pay raise right so it wasn't anything that in the moment called something out of me now after you know the pay raise or the promotion discussion yeah there was pissed offness and uh you know the the feedback to self that i'm not going to allow myself to be in this position anymore but i think as my career evolved you know in my last corporate role i had over 300 people that reported to me and so to be the only in that dynamic you're going to have people who report to you who don't like reporting to you or for in me being in healthcare physicians who are accountable to me that don't necessarily want to be accountable to me 
And so I would walk in knowing that, right? I woke up knowing that. I walked into my office knowing that. I took the phone call knowing that, led the meeting knowing that. So oftentimes, if I sensed aggression or sensed disrespect, I just met it with kindness, right? I I see it. I hear it. I'm not going to budge off my square, but I hear you. You know, you can say what you want to say or or not even say what you want to say, feel how you want to feel. But the second that is verbalized as disrespect, I respond to the disrespect. You know, I've had a few instances where I say, hey, I may be wrong or I made this mistake or we don't disagree, but you're not going to talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And in the instances where that has occurred, the energy that I put behind it, not one, I'm going to chop your head off type energy, but I'm not your huckleberry. That was understood. The room received it, right? The room saw it. And in one instance that I recall, they advocated for me behind and said, I can't believe how she acted. Right. That was, you handled it so well, this, that, or the other. Or I even had somebody come apologize later, right? Because mm-hmm. often what we end up doing and, you know, turn on your TV and you see it, you know, we fight fire with fire and all you do is burn the forest down, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, things happen. And like we talked about us getting pissed, somebody else is going to get pissed. Somebody mm-hmm. else is going to be in a situation where they're vulnerable. And if they're unaware of how to manage their emotions and, for the most part, we we see, you know, um, white folks struggle with that because they're used to having things their way. So when something don't go their way, they not they don't know how to do. So they act out. Mm-hmm. And so if you meet that acting out with that same level of response, you're not going to get anywhere. And depending on your role, you lose your job or you get written up. And so I said, even if they come at me crazy. I'm going to take it a level above, Mm -hmm. whether it's cooperation, whether it's empathy, whether it's Mm -hmm. flat out love, because you just ridiculous and you don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, I just take it to a level higher than what they're coming to me at. So at minimum, I don't make the fire bigger. And in several instances, the 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 conflict was able to be resolved in the in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question, Keelan. I, you probably are trying to transition into, but so there was something you just said that um, just kind of ignited a couple of things in me. Um, one, you mentioned like you're not going to speak to me that way. Like you're not going to talk to me like that. Do you guys feel like that's a cultural thing? And and the reason I asked that question is. One, you don't hear the term code switching in in other um, groups, right? Because, but I see that, like I see the frat boy who shows up differently um, at the at the bar than they show up in the office, right? In in the way they they speak is different, but that's that's not called out. But then, two, I, when you just said that, called it made me think, like, okay, well, I was raised to speak to people, certain people in certain ways, right? And, and you're right, like certain certain things, I wasn't gonna speak to certain people certain ways. And 
one of the things that I'm seeing with this new generation is that has caused a little bit of the emotional, um, I don't even want the trauma, the emotional traumas because of this teaching of you don't speak to this person this way. You don't get this, like, you know, your grandmother or some elderly person can say things that are offensive, like, girl, you got big or, you know, da da da. But because of their stature in your life, you're not able to meet them. In, in, in my experience, that's a cultural thing. Um, you, you're not able to meet them where they're at. So, so I'm just interested to hear your thoughts. Like when you say like, okay, you're not going to speak to me that way. Um, do you guys think that's a, that's, that, that's something that has been taught and, and does that impact how we show up? I think, yes, it's been taught, right? So your parents would tell you that who you think you're talking to exactly easily right yeah and it comes from respect because right. if we are working together you're going to respect me just like i respect you and so that that lends itself to um a mutual understanding of how we will be with each other now if we get to that point where we need to address it like carlton did in his uh, in his analogy in his example then we will. And if that's in front of everybody, then that's fine too. But you will respect me because it kind of gets to the authenticity of what you were saying about our young millennials of how they want everybody to be authentic. Because if we're in a room and I continue to allow you to disrespect me, then that tells everybody else that they can too. Mm -hmm. That's unacceptable. And yeah. I guess the thing, oh, go ahead, Carlton. I was going to say, you know, kind of piggybacking on Akilah's point I you know if when I think about the example I gave in this case this person that was her behavior pattern throughout the organization people accepted it she disrespected she mm -hmm. talked she called people out she was the one I'm not the one to mess with but do, but do, but do, <laughs> right it was all of that and it is learned because, you know, in these, you know, in these same folks, this is where the kids curse, you know, at their parents and throw tantrums and, you know, do all these different things at young ages. Mm -hmm. And so that's cool. That's how you do your home. That's how you interact with your family, with your kids. It's, that's so be it. That's your world. That's your life. That's your business. And maybe everybody else in the organization is okay with you coming at them this particular way. But in order for me to be productive in this setting, in order for me to, you know, maintain my character and in order for me to, to, in my mind, be successful in this place, it's not going to happen like that. So yeah. you can be mad. You can be, you can feel whatever you want. It's just, when it's time to talk to me about it, choose your words or we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I learned. So to your point, one of the things you said was, you know, there were behind the scenes things that were happening that were based on race. Right. But what I learned is in those meetings and in those everyday conversations, it was a, a lot of times it wasn't based on race because that's how they speak to each other. Like mm -hmm. uh, some mm -hmm. of the other people in that meeting, when they, when they spoke to me afterwards or came up to me afterwards, they were like, yeah, he did the same thing to me or did it, you know what I'm saying? So 
so what I learned, and I just watched, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Obama special on HBO Max, I don't know when it came out, but I just happened to watch it today. But he was talking about, um, you know, um, just the way that people assume that someone is racist because they behave a certain way when really that's how they would that's how they would treat their own yes they're being disrespectful Mm -hmm. to you but that's how they would treat their own and because that is not something that we experience in our homes it feels like you're doing that because i'm i'm black or a woman when the reality is that's that's how they speak to each other right and so i think not to get on a tangent but i think that's a part of, of the dilemma. Uh, and some people just don't know. Some people just don't know how to treat people. Right. right. Yeah. And, 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 but do you give grace to that? Right. No. Cause I'm going to teach, I'm going to show you how you treat me. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I continue to allow that behavior yeah. to happen, then I'm diluting myself every time you open yeah. your mouth and talk to me. That's I want to go to one thing Carlton said about authenticity and being authentic. And it speaks to what Natalie, the, the, the scenario you brought forward in, in code switching, right? If that's who you are, if when I done had a couple margaritas and I'm hanging out with my Dallas friends and we're like, girl, he show is, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that, or if I'm, in Iowa having vodka with my white friends and I'm like oh he's cute right it's mm-hmm. different but that is who I am in that moment who is anybody to tell me that I'm not being authentic mm-hmm. so yeah why would you address the folks that say you're not being real because to me maybe this is who I am and because I put the ing in good morning mm-hmm. and I, morning right right what's wrong (laughs) what's wrong with that so yeah how do you speak to authenticity Carlton if that's who I am and I'm okay with that it's not your definition of me not being black enough Mm -hmm. you know unless you're purposely being a jerk if somebody has a problem with who you are or how you are, that's their problem. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, black folks, we got opportunity to do better too. And a lot of times that feedback around, you know, you acting white, you acting fake, that's their own insecurity about their perception of you being better than them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I love you, bro. We yeah. grew up together. I went my route. You went your route. I'm yeah. here now with you kicking it. I'm not here because I'm better than you. I'm here being me with you. Now, again, if that person won't allow you to be who you are, if it's all oh, this mofo, he fake or this mofo, thank he this and that. Listen to how he talk. He talking like them people he work with. Hey, man, I don't got to be here. Right. Like maybe you aren't my friend anymore or maybe you aren't the cousin that I, you know, that I grew up with that I can continue to hang out with. I love you and I wish the best for you. But if you have a problem with me being me, that's on you. If if me saying something, enunciating 
my ing triggers your insecurities what can i do about that absolutely not. right and, and so again that's where i go my choice has always been or you know in my adult spaces my choice has been being somewhere with people where i can be who i am and that's personally or professionally and you know when you got miles to feed we all need income and so you know it's not reasonable to just say oh, i ain't comfortable here no more i'm out but i think when you find yourself having that rumbling in your tumbly your tummy because you're about to go into this environment and you have to put on this particular hat or put on this particular face that's when you know you have a personal professional life coach to talk about how you transition to <laughs> something where you can be more comfortable somewhere where you can be excited to be somewhere where you don't have to have that rumbling in your tummy every time you're driving uh, to work yeah okay uh carlton where can people reach you for uh, uh first name last name.com so www.carlton inniss.com perfect see um, I. Natalie, okay so what yeah. do you do when um when people tell you you're not being real, you know, you're not being yourself. Yeah, I'm, uh, for me, I, I've heard it since I was mm -hmm. seven years old, so it doesn't even impact me the same way. Um, the when I, the, what I do recently, where I am challenging myself a little bit more is as I'm having these conversations with the new generation, right? Like, what my responsibility is to show up as quote unquote, my authentic self um, to make room, right? For, for someone else. Um, so for me, like, and it's different cause I'm, I'm in talent acquisition, right? And so I can be doing an interview and someone realize that I'm a black female and then their entire conversation with me changes, right? Like, hey girl, and I'm like- Does their diction slip, you know, they get a little relaxed. Wait a minute now, wait a minute. Um, but I've been challenging myself, you know, as someone who coaches people through interviews and um, next level, you know, career moves, I've been challenging myself to not tell them to present themselves in any specific way. And, and, and I just had this conversation with a couple of friends of mine, even when it comes to hair or, you know, the way you dress and, and different things like that. So I've been challenging myself on that, but at the same time, I'm like, listen, the results are what matter. I'm I'm just a results-oriented person. So for me, if your if your goal is to get a job <clears throat> or your goal is to grow within your company, I, I'm not saying that you have to code switch, but what I'm saying is you have to meet people where they're at and communicate what it is that you need to communicate. Um, and it just goes back to what I originally said, you know, I don't speak to my eight-year-old nephew the same way I speak to my grandmother or my brother or whatever. But I think Carlton makes a very fair point. The authenticity needs to be that no matter how your diction changes or your approach changes, the core of what you're saying and what you are doing should be the same. It shouldn't be like, yeah, I vote yes um to um coming back to work 
with my black friends and then vote no to coming back to work with my white friends that I think to me that's when the authenticity is is missing um but for me that what I do to answer your question is <laughs> I just shake it off and and that could be good or bad I don't know um but it's it's such a constant thing for me that I just don't even it doesn't even affect me anymore or at least I don't think it affects me <laughs> say the same thing I told you guys before we started recording this podcast and my family calls me Becky and that's just yeah is what it is and I I remember being a kid I I tell people all the time I grew up in a barbershop I was always at the barbershop um because we had a family barbershop and I don't know I might have been in high school or junior high and I said something, I don't know what it was. And one of my uncles said, oh, she speaks the queen's English. Like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Right, right. <laughs> it is what it is. I just, I yeah. just shake that off. But what I do tell people is regardless of how I say or what I say is the core of me is what you either know or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell folks all the time, I'm unassuming. You might think I'm one way, Natalie, just like when you met me, right? We mm-hmm. played that card revolt and y'all didn't think I was going to win. Who won? Bang. I know my Bang. Black- <laughs> you sure did. We still talk about that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to end on yeah. this. Well, I'm going to give you guys, if you want to um, provide some closing thoughts, I'll give you the opportunity to do that now and then I'll close it. So Carlton, um, you know, I think on the topic, cold switching is real. And, you know, to all those listening to us, I think it's 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 the way of black life yeah. um, for those who find them swell, find themselves as the switcher. I think as as Natalie's last point, the last point she's made just be honest, right? If if your vote is no, be no. Now, how you say it, the way you say it, with whom you say it, that's all, you know, comes from a place of choice. And those who are, you know, experiencing the switcher by, you know, whether it's workplace, family, let them people be, right? And if nothing else, Rather than judging theirs, find your authenticity, find your comfort zone. And whether it's shape shifts based on environment or not, be who you are. Be happy who you are. Allow other people to be happy who they are. I like that. Natalie? Yeah, I love that. I I think my takeaway is, you know, authenticity in, in comfort level. Um, and I would just challenge people to look outside of their culture. And, and I don't even mean like black, white. I just mean, you know, generationally and, you know, professional. Look outside and see what you see outside of it. Because I think you'll realize that everyone has a, a way they show up, you know, in different environments. And so instead of judging the way that people show up, um, challenge yourself to to see why does that matter to you like is it is it because they're presenting different versions of their truth or is it because you know 
you're mad because you, you can't show up differently to Carlton's point earlier. <clears throat> and I'll end by this, by saying this, you know, a lot of times when we go to work, we're always on, right? And that's, we're in that code switched vein of being at work or, or and then at home, you get to let your hair down. Mm-hmm. You have to find an outlet so that you can be who you truly are, your authentic, yeah. whatever that is, and surround yourself with people that will accept you for who you are. So with that, I want to thank Carlton and Natalie for coming on the She, Her, and Me mm-hmm. podcast to talk about code switching. Now y'all have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Love it.